Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Hey, everyone. Mike Wolf here with the Smart Home Show with the Smart Home Weekly for the week ending October 11th, 2014. Today's stories, Apple injects HomeKit into Apple TV. Best Buy beefs up its Smart Home section. Mr. Coffee brews up a little Wemo. Echo Star decides to get into Smart Home, as well as some updates on standards this week in startups and crowdfunding, and a few updates to some hubs out there as well. Stay tuned, everyone. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. This is Sunday. I'm, I'm recording this on a Sunday. This is for the week ending October 11th, which was yesterday. You know, I try to get these out on time, but you know I'm not always on time. I'm not uh, Tom Merritt, for goodness sakes. Come on. So I do want to make sure that we get the, the wrap-up done. As you've probably noticed, the pattern we're settling, in, settling into here on the Smart Home Show is an interview... Uh, with an interesting person. This week I talked to, to Roddick from Oort, which is creating a really interesting Bluetooth smart home system. And they're having their big party this week. They're going head-to-head with Apple in terms of big news and press conferences and stuff. So, But hey, they're uh, they're doing something pretty interesting, so I suggest you listen to that podcast that was published on Friday. And coming up this week I have a conversation with Belkin. I've caught up with Belkin and kind of hearing the latest from them on what's going on with their smart home efforts around Wemo. And so we'll talk about that. Speaking of Belkin, we have some news about them in today's shows. We catch up on this week's smart home news, but let's first talk about Apple. You know, I've been writing about how Apple, I think, likely will make the Apple TV uh, their smart home hub. When you look at uh, their architecture in the home, when you look at how you want to lay it out, you know, right now, when you look at HomeKit, it's all centered around iOS devices and particularly the iPhone and iPad, basically mobile devices, right? Which I think makes a lot of sense because it's such uh, you know pervasive, such a pervasive platform. So many people have iPhones. So making and building in HomeKit into the iPhone makes a lot of sense. But uh, as as you know, people leave. And while I think you could certainly have a, a lot of different point devices in the home running, you know, motion sensing, turn lights on, on turning lights on and off, uh, you know, net cams, et cetera. I still think um, when you have the iOS device, if it's a home kit device, and that's kind of the, the central command center for the smart home, when it leaves, you essentially have a headless uh, smart home uh, in that, you know, how do you command it? How do people turn it on, turn things on and off? It's the, if it's the only iOS device in the home, how do you run scenes, for example? So I think it makes a lot of sense to make the Apple TV uh, HomeKit compatible. And this week, Apple Insider discovered that with the latest version of Apple TV's software, HomeKit has essentially been built in. And again, this makes a lot of sense. I think that, you know, I've been writing about, you know, how Apple probably will make the Apple TV the centerpiece of their smart home in terms of a hardware device, in terms of a smart home hub since about April this year. Um, when HomeKit came out, I thought it made even more sense based on how that was how that was built and how things operated around it. And now we have the latest things leaking out. And and when you look at this week, Apple actually has an event coming up. I think it's on the 16th, and they teased it with the tagline, it's been too long. And, you know, it's been a long time since they've updated the Apple TV. So it could be that this week they may introduce an entirely new Apple TV with even some more 
built-in smart home capabilities. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen for sure. We'll certainly catch you up next weekend, next week at the end of this coming week, if they do do that. But I wouldn't doubt it. You know, the, it's been too long. It could also refer to things like uh, the iMac. could refer to Mac Mini, which I don't think they've updated since 2012. So we'll see. I still think it, it's an intriguing week. It'll be an interesting week. On the next piece of news, let's see. Best Buy and other retailers are starting to beef up their smart home sections in preparation for the holiday season. Now, you know, we've certainly... Uh, have been following Best Buy. Uh, they're the biggest dedicated electronics retailer uh, in the U.S., and probably in North America. Um, clearly, that model has taken some hits. As you, if you've seen guys like Target and Costco and Amazon take more and more of the market share around selling electronics, but Best Buy has stuck it out. You know, they've they've survived while Circuit Cities and others have gone to the grave. And I think one of the reasons they're surviving is they continually evolve. What's on the store shelves? And looking at what they're putting on the store shelves now, you'll see more and more smart home stuff. You know, certain, certainly people have been writing about this. I've been writing about it. And this week, uh, folks have written about how Best Buy is finally rolling out more smart home stuff. And I actually had some people in the field send me pictures. So if you go to the Next Market blog, we'll have links in the show notes in the Smart Home Weekly wrap-up newsletter, which you can get at nextmarket.co. You can actually see a link to the pictures. But there's actually pictures of the expanded Best Buy smart home sections with all sorts of devices, be it Nest thermostats, Philips Hue, um, a special section for the drop cam, end caps for things like Philips Hue, uh, meaning they have just like kind of these dedicated sections, sections showing how the stuff works. Uh, the Peak smart home system has its own little, little section. Nest thermostats, as I said, Logitech has their own little kind of dedicated section. So, man, all sorts of smart home goodies showing up at Best Buy just in time for the holidays. And so we'll see. It'll be an interesting holiday season as uh, the retailers really start to try and sell this stuff. And as you may notice, I think a lot of the emphasis is on what I call point products, meaning stuff that actually can, you can buy and operate on its own. So certainly the peak smart home system is something like it's a whole system. But the, the stuff that's really you know kind of turned on consumers has been smart lighting, has been smart locks, has been connected cameras. And that's where Best Buy is putting a lot of emphasis on kind of highlighting this particular stuff. Uh, the Logitech Living Harmony remote is kind of an interesting thing in that it's a essentially a universal remote with built-in smart home command capabilities. So that's kind of a new thing. We'll see how that does. But just, you know, watching retail start to build out and expand the smart home section, I'm gonna, it's going to be a really interesting holiday season to watch and see how things go. As I mentioned, I talked to Belkin, and the Belkin Conversation podcast is coming up this week on the Smart Home Show. And one thing they told me on Friday is just that day, the Wemo connected Mr. Coffee showed up on store shelves. As you may know, Wemo has becoming has been becoming more than just a series of or a range of products that are such as connected switches, uh, connected lighting, controllers, etc. They're actually starting to inject Wemo into lots of different end products like crockpots and like Mr. Coffee's and, you know, and at CES 2014, I think that was really kind of a, a big show for them because they announced all these initiatives. They announced a partnership with Jardin, which is a company with all these different brands like Mr. Coffee and crockpot. And so over the course of this year, they started to roll out these devices. They also, I think in the last couple of weeks, uh, rolled out the smart lighting that they've done in partnership with a company called Osram Sylvania. So they're they're rolling out their smart lighting. 
in partnership with those guys. In addition to Belkin has their own smart lighting, but they've actually partnered with with Osram, Sylvania, to roll out a lighting, uh, roll out a line of lighting for those guys. And so when you start to look at Wemo, it's more than just a, a series of products in their own. You actually start to see different devices. Now, when I talked to Ohad, the guy who runs the Belkin Wemo product line, one of the things they said about, for example, the Crock-Pot, one of the things they said about those types of devices is they've been very carefully rolling these things out. They haven't been, you know, uh, stacking them high and selling them fast, as I think he, he put it, you know, because they know that something like a Crock-Pot with Wemo isn't something that's going to be as mass market as smart lighting, for example. Um, you're not going to see as many people say, hey, I want a Wemo connector Crock-Pot. It's something that is interesting. Uh, has really interesting use cases, kind of controlling cooking devices from your smartphone. But they realize that this is something that they will roll out slowly and selectively. They also kind of gave it gave it kind of a hint of what's to come for CES 2015. Um, and they said something, uh, they kind of alluded to some things that made me think, they didn't say this, made me, made me think that Wemo might be starting to be integrated with wearables, for example. So when I look at 2015, one of the predictions that I have is that Wemo goes beyond just, you know, home devices and appliances, goes beyond just lighting controllers and switches. And you might see Wemo in things like wearables. That's just my guess, nothing that they've really said. I just had a few hints from them, and, and I just, you know, listen to the podcast. Listen to the podcast and see what you think, and maybe you can email me. Tell me what you think they're hinting at. Uh, email me at the at gmail.com, and we'll see. Kind of exciting, you know, to see what Wemo may become next year. Next piece of news, Echo Star, uh, I think at IBC in Europe uh, in September, uh, tweeted out uh, kind of the first word of their Sage the Sage Smart Home line of products that they're going to be integrating into their set-top boxes. And if you don't know who Echo Star is, they're the company that got spun out of Dish that you know creates the hardware, the set-top boxes. And you know, they're the company that owns the Sling Box now, a very well-known home connected home product line. And Dave Zatz had some details this week about Echo Star's uh, new new line of Sage Smart Home products, um, basically talking about how how the Sage product line, which will basically, I believe, be a, a name that goes on set-top boxes with smart home capabilities coming out of Echo Star. The Sage product line will have Wi-Fi, Bluetooth smart, Z-Wave, and Zigbee radios in Sage-enabled smart home set-top boxes. So I think that's interesting. Now, I've I've been writing about how I think the TV is a good, the TV and the kind of the TV stack where, you know, where the entertainment center is is a logical place to have a smart home capability built in because, you know, it's where we spend a lot of time. It's where we have a big screen, we have remotes. And so it makes a lot of sense that you would enable the smart TV or enable the TV stack to be smart home enabled. And so EchoStar, which has already obviously been a company that's invested in kind of next generation technologies as they've bought things like Sling Media to kind of enable interesting user scenarios with Sling, Sling technology, it makes a lot of sense that they would say, hey, let's let's kind of build out our smart home capabilities as we put hardware into people's homes. And certainly the service riders, certainly Dish, and certainly other folks who are rolling out paid services probably are saying, hey, why don't you enable us to do things like smart home? And so that'll be an interesting thing to watch. You can find out more details about that, obviously, at the Smart Home Weekly write-up uh, and have links where you see links as well to some of the articles. So go to nextmarket.co. You'll see the Smart Home Weekly there and check that out.
coming up next this week in standards. And there's a couple things that happened on the standards front. The first was first one was all seen, the all seen Alliance, the creating uh, a software glue that enables, you know, devices to work together in an open source way. Um, announced their smart, smart lighting group. And basically what they're looking to do is basically quote, develop ways for IP enabled multicolor and energy efficient led light bulbs to work in creative new ways with each other and things, including televisions, home security systems, home appliances, smoke detectors, and door locks. Basically what it looks like they're doing is creating specific software profiles um, from a standardized perspective that different smart lighting companies can use hopefully to make sure everything's worked works together. The head of that head of this little group within the Allison Alliance is Mark Alexander. He's the CTO of a company called Lifix or LIFX, which is a smart lighting company. And he talked about a lighting service framework or LSF that he said will enable new levels inter, of interoperability between connected devices and lights, but also provide third-party developers building applications a way to discover and control lighting in an open, common way across manufacturers. So basically, again, what they're looking to do is create software that all the different smart lighting guys can use that enables interoperability so we don't have a bunch of standalone islands, standalone devices and smart lighting that doesn't work. So you can buy, buy Philips Hue, for example. You can buy products from Lifix. Uh, you can buy, can buy smart lighting from Sylvania, awesome Sylvania, and it'll all work together. And the hub manufacturers can make sure that it all works together. And so there's not a, like I said, a, a, not a bunch of different fragmentation. So that makes a lot of sense. The second piece of standard news was a, a word of a little bit of discord. Uh, you may have heard of the Open Internet Consortium, OIC, which is being driven by Intel, which is, to me, I think is a little bit reactionary to the uh, all-seeing alliance. Uh, as you may or may not know, Intel and Qualcomm don't get along very well. And the Open Internet Consortium, which was announced this year, not only had Intel as a kind of the driving partner or driving member, but you also had some founding members like Broadcom. And that was a big deal to get Broadcom and Intel, I believe, in kind of the same as founding members of the same group because they don't always get along as well. But uh, GigaOM reported this week that Broadcom actually is breaking away from the group and, and pointed to IP licensing provisions within kind of the, the small print of the group is one of the reasons Broadcom is moving away. And so that's kind of a big deal and, I th and kind of uh, does a little damage to the Open Internet Consortium because, you know, anytime you have a founding member break away early on in kind of the group, and especially a big one like Broadcom, which if you don't know Broadcom, they make a ton of chips for Wi-Fi that goes in devices uh, that you probably use. You probably have some Broadcom chips sitting in your house now if you have a lot of different Wi-Fi devices. So that's kind of, I think, a big deal. And we'll see what happens there. And now moving on to this week in updates. First off was an update to the Revolve Hub. They, they announced their, they basically did a little blog post on the Revolve October, October update. They sent me an email kind of notifying me. And so I want to make sure you guys know if you're, if you're at all interested. And well, the key thing in their October update to their software was a new thermostat UI, which really sprang out of the work they've done uh, with the Nest part with the Nest par partnership program, and so they then developed a new UI that they say applies to all the different thermostats, all the different connected thermostats. So that's interesting. They also announced that they're integrating with DanaLock, which is a really cool smart lock coming out of Europe by a company called PolyControl. You know, I interviewed PolyControl. I talked to them uh, as I did my smart lock report, and I, I think they have a pretty cool smart lock. So now the Revolve Hub will work with that as well. Another update news, Smart Home Ventures, which is the company behind the Peak Smart Home Hub, 
which is actually built on top of the iControl platform. Uh, they announced a new software update with a lot of different new features. The focus of the update for the Peak Software Hub, uh, just a lot of new features and functionalities around customization, uh, improved mobile apps, etc. So check that out. You get the specifics, like I said, on the Smart Home Weekly as well. The last segment, this week in startups and crowdfunding, there's a couple interesting things that are happening on the on the crowdfunding front. As you know, if you follow Smart Home, that crowdfunding uh, is a place and a, a, kind of where a lot of the new interesting smart home startups are coming out of. This past week, Max My TV, which is a company that's been kind of banging their drums on on creating an Android-based TV-centric smart home hub, launched their Kickstarter campaign. And the folks over at Home Tech FM, Jason and Seth, talked to these guys, I think, a few weeks ago. So if you want to hear them talk to those guys, go to hometech.fm. But when I look at it, it looks like their campaign's off to a fairly slow start. You know, when you, when you map out a crowdfunding campaign, it really looks like a you. You know, the a lot of activity up front, get a lot of funding, get off to a fast start. There's a lull in the middle, then oftentimes you finish off strong. And so you really need to get off to a fast start. Uh, otherwise, there's a good chance that you won't succeed. And I think they, they're, when I looked at it, I think on Friday, they'd only had $7,000 of the $250,000 they wanted. So, you know, they didn't get that early pop. So, a little bit worried how, how they may do long term, but we'll see. Another interesting new campaign is CoinGuard, which they pitch as a new Internet of Things solution for personal home security. Instead of trying to detect home intrusions like tra- traditional security systems, CoinGuard is a small, coin sized wireless device sensitive to movement and vibration, and you simply place it on or with the valuables that it protects. Huh. So basically, it's a little little sensors. I think they have a hub. And so if you want to, say, uh, protect like your jar of coins, <laughs> or if you want to protect um, a, you know, a watch or, or, or clothing, you put one of these little sensors in there. And if it's moved, uh, you'll get a little notification, I'm guessing, on your on your iPhone or your Android. And so that's an interesting approach. I think I, think I saw the starting price points on their campaign if you want to be a backer i think it's 79 dollars. you can get uh, uh, the coin guard system at, at early price early backer prices so and yeah, that's another interesting one again i think you know the internet of things and smart home technology really opens up a lot of possibilities for security in a lot of different ways that wasn't possible before you know you really can protect your things to protect yourself in a way uh, that you can now without spending a lot of money. But nowadays, with low-cost sensors and low-cost smart home technology, you know, you can start to protect your things for less than 100 bucks, which is pretty cool. Well, that's it, folks. That's really kind of all the news wrapped up in one quick podcast. Uh, like I said, I'm kind of getting into rhythm where I do an interview and then also a wrap-up podcast. This, this weekly wrap-up podcast is goes in conjunction with a written one that I do every week. And you can get the written version of this. If you go to nextmarket.co, you also see this podcast embedded there. But as always, the home for the Smart Home Show is at technology.fm. You can go there and find the Smart Home Show. If you want to subscribe in your favorite podcast player, in your favorite podcast service, you'll find out where to do that as well. But you can also just go directly to, directly to iTunes, go to directly to Stitcher or SoundCloud, and you'll find us there as well. Hey, everyone, once again, thanks for listening. If you have any questions for me or comments, just email me at thesmarthomeshow at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Michael Wolf. That's Michael Wolf. No E on the end of Wolf. It's just like the animal. Just find me there. Follow me. Talk to me as well. And once again, everyone, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.